Our scripture reading for today is taken from Luke chapter 15, the first seven verses. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would now increase our faith through them. Amen. If you were to go out to Minneopa State Park a couple miles outside of town, you could take a, a little bit of time to drive through a herd of bison that they have out there. It's pretty unusual for us to see large herds of livestock uh, roaming around. And even there, they're, they're still fenced into a rather large area. Uh, Yellowstone, maybe out in the Badlands, people have had opportunities to have huge herds of of uh, bison or uh, possibly antelope or things suddenly run past them. Here in the United States, we are so familiar with having fences to our property uh, where there's agricultural uh, things or livestock. We don't, we don't think about animals just roaming around freely. But in many parts of the world, that's the case. Uh, I know in Ukraine, when I was over there, there were just Sheep and goats and cows would just go all over the highways, and you had to be careful driving sometimes. And certainly in the Middle East, that's, that's the case even today. And so the imagery that Jesus draws upon when he often speaks about sheep and, and shepherding and so on, uh, this was, these were very vivid images to the people of his day and the people in that part of the world even still today. Sheep especially need very little water to survive, and they, they tend to graze a lot. The average sheep grazes between 8 and 12 hours a day. I could eat like that. 8 to 12 hours a day. That's just amazing to think of all that time eating. And because of that, their focus, their eyes, are so often down at the ground because they're always looking for the next bite of something to eat. They are herbivores. And they are also what, they are, what they call ruminants. A ruminant means a creature that, that will just roam and go off on its own to find more food. And uh, unlike some animals that need to have something put in front of them, they will just roam around looking for some type of food that they can have. So because of these aspects of uh, characteristics, you might say, of sheep that makes them very vulnerable. Uh, sometimes sheep can imagine that they're still kind of near or with the flock and close to their shepherd, and yet because of their nature of eating so much and always looking at the ground, uh, real, suddenly realize they're really not where they thought they were. And that's quite a picture that Jesus is using to describe me, to describe you. 
He could have picked a lot of different animals to depict Christians or just people in general, but he picked sheep for a particular reason. Another thing is that sheep are found all over the world. This is, a, this is an image that Christ chooses in his teaching that, that everyone in the world can identify with. Whether you're in the southern, southernmost part of Chile or Argentina, all the way up to Alaska, uh, Siberia, all the way out to Hawaii, there are sheep all over the place in the world. In fact, ironically, the, the place where there are the fewest sheep is right here in North America. And yet we still see plenty of them for these images to mean something to us too. So our Lord selected this imagery to teach us something about ourselves and the potential dangers for our spiritual lives. And he couldn't have picked a better animal for that. When it comes to myself spiritually, and when I think about the temptations and things that can be around me, it's, it's, uh, it's easy for me to kind of become oblivious to the spiritual dangers that can be around me. And even in the lives of people that have been well-trained in the Christian faith, who have been with the Good Shepherd their whole life, who have been in church their whole life and really care about the Word of God, there still is this temptation to kind of roam away from the Good Shepherd. It, it might be just subtle temptations to things like earthly wealth and trying to amass something big for our retirement. It may be just little subtle ways we start to forget about the importance of being ready to go to heaven. Maybe it's the jagged cliffs around us of things that tempt us on the internet. Maybe it's the poisonous grass that just is in front of us in the mirror of admiring something about our, our physical beauty and things. It might be a, a dangerous rut of a particular sin that we have found that we really like in life and it's, it's just really hard to let that one go. It's one that we really kind of like to take care of. It could be just as simple as pride and self-righteousness. We see that in this crowd that, that Jesus is uh, speaking to, trying to teach this. These were the religious people of his day. They were, the, they were the Pharisees and the scribes. They were the people that knew their Bibles better than anybody. And he tells this parable to them to get at their pride. So that's something that can even attach itself to us. It might be buying into the world's attitude that, that all of this religion stuff is irrelevant and we don't need to spend so much time on it. There's so many different temptations and ways that we can just slowly start to wander away from that good shepherd and his guidance over us. But the good shepherd spots us and he cannot let us sit in a dangerous situation. His gut reaction is to go find them and to rescue them, even if it means leaving the 99 behind to seek out that one. We're told he leaves the 99 in the wilderness and goes after the one which was lost until he finds it. The, uh, the man after whom our Ilvesacher, Wyfak, is named, his father, Johannes Ilvesacher, had a great statement about this text. He said, a soul is not prized highly in the market of the world, but it is more precious in the sight of God than all the gold on the earth. He has purchased it with his very blood. And so in the mind of the good shepherd, and even to be in the minds he wants of those who are the shepherds underneath him, 
there is no more important duty than to find these lost sheep and to seek them out through his word and sacrament. Notice how personal and individualized the attention is that we see coming from this good shepherd who goes to seek out the sheep. Uh, he certainly cares about the entire flock. And yet when one is in trouble, through his word, he loves to go out into their hearts and to bring them back to his side. And we see this sprinkled throughout the Gospels. When the Holy Spirit had the, the four Gospels written about the ministry of Christ, we see this so beautifully displayed in little stories here and there. Think of Zacchaeus, the woman at the well, the woman who comes to cry at Jesus' feet, the adulterous woman. We think about the thief on the cross, all of these situations. Think about Peter, his own disciple, who, who out, out by the fire, denies that he has anything to do with Christ, just to fit in with the crowd, just to possibly spare himself a little bit, just like we might feel from the pressure of the culture around us and, and kind of want to deny that we know Christ. What does Jesus do when he, when he sees the, the, the hurt nature in Peter's heart about this? He goes up to him after his resurrection, and it's, it's not hard to imagine Jesus standing in front of him face to face and looking at him and asking him those three questions. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Very clearly conveying to him that he knew his situation, he knew exactly what had happened to him, and he wanted to restore him, which he did. It was Christ's special way of looking him in the face individually, one-on-one, -on -one, and conveying to him his forgiveness. And, and then he takes and puts him in the leadership of his church. He places him at the tip of the spear of the mission work of the church to go and evangelize others. That, that's what Christ does. He, he grabs us by his grace. He, he, he focuses in on each one of us individually through his word. And he absolves you and me. He gives you his holiness and perfection and righteousness. He, he attributes that to you, that he has won for you. And then... He sets us loose to help find others as well. It's interesting that the, the activity of repentance that takes place inside of a person's heart is something that nobody else sees. And yet, notice the attention that is concentrated on this from heaven's perspective. Notice the attention that heaven uh, puts to that little tiny activity of somebody realizing I've done something wrong before God and I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. To God, this is, this is like the most amazing, wonderful thing. Heaven erupts with joy when that takes place. And we can see how important this is even in the work of the under-shepherds, the pastors, when they care for the flock of Christ. Years ago, when I was a young pastor, there was a woman in the congregation I was serving, a young lady. She had fallen into a particular sin, had started to stray away from church and everything. And her family asked me to go talk to her, which I did. And she kind of shut me down and, and didn't want anything to do with this. And then months later, the Lord uh, somehow pricked her heart to repentance. And she came back to see me. And uh, she wanted to confess this sin to me and, and, and uh, have me absolve her, which I was happy to do. But she was kind of surprised that I wasn't angry at her. <laughs> and I said, you gotta understand, this is exactly what Christianity is about, is to restore any of us from, from our sins. And, and to uh, when we come before God in repentance to hear his marvelous grace 
and to receive once again that holy perfection from him that we need to get into heaven. The prophet Isaiah writes it this way from, from God for us. This is the one I esteem, that means I hold highly. He who is humble and contrite and trembles at my word. The whole Christian faith, the entire Christian faith is designed around this activity that takes place in our hearts where the Holy Spirit brings us to see our sin and then comes and just wraps us in the holy righteousness and forgiveness of our Savior and declares us to be his children through the waters of baptism, puts that on our tongue in the Lord's Supper, through our ears, through his word and the absolution. This is what the kingdom of God, this is what it means to be part of the flock of Christ. What a precious good shepherd we have who continually brings us back into that fold. Amen.